Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. Anybody that teaches the Word learns. You want, you want hearts to be open first. And the best way we do that is we begin to worship the Lord. We begin to worship the Lord. We open up to Him. When we open up to Him, it gives Him a place to speak into our life more than He could have otherwise. I'm going to encourage you, other than a prayerful season, the next important thing for you to do would be enter into a worshipful season. Prayer and worship brings God's Word from the inside of you where it's been planted back out of your mouth again. And our words literally set our life up to be a garden experience. Understand that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were charged with keeping the garden. They didn't keep it with the garden hoe and the garden tiller and the tractor. They kept it with their tongues. That's meant to be a lesson to us that what we bring forth from our mouth and what we name things and what we call things and what we choose to talk about is setting up our next chapters. This world has a very dangerous and divisive narrative right now. I would encourage you to divorce yourself from talking about it really much at all. Adopt what is the report of the Lord for your future so it can come to pass. I've never had a, a time in my life to feel more guarded against what I let in my thought life. Because you can be defeated before you start if you listen to too much. Because this world is on a, a crash course, but Jesus is taking us upward. And what we have to recognize about the time that we're in is our, our tongue sets up our future. I know that many Christians today that are away from the Lord blame circumstances or other people or failures rather than just saying, I'm going to accept that I'm responsible for my destiny in God. You're here this morning to hear the word partly because you are looking for God's destiny for your life. That sets you up in a predisposition for God to bless you. But what rules your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. I don't rule your heart. I don't want to. God's word can't rule your heart unless you tell it to. You tell yourself, I'm going to honor God's word first. That means in my life, many times I end up doing the thing I don't feel like doing. And I end up doing it when it's not convenient in my day's plan. And I end up doing it in a way that it pleases God before it pleases me. When we're going to live for God that way, we kind of put ourselves on the back burner. And we pay attention to what he's asking. But here's what happens in the, the long term. Our faith begins to produce results more than trying to do everything our own way, we see God intervene. I've had a, about a 10-day period so full of that that I have to bring you Scripture today, Word today, that helps you receive that for yourself. I questioned the Lord. I said, why is this happening right now? It, it seems like one thing after another for the good. And I know many times people use the phrase one thing after another when it isn't so good. And I've been one of those people before where I was like, oh, my Lord. Well, the devil loves to overwhelm God's people, getting us too busy trying to accomplish too much and then complicating the processes as we go. And we might try to drive to the end we want and run over the people who are in our way. That's never his way. God's way is to grow and preserve relationship with him and with one another and give us a better way. When Jesus said in Scripture that he was the way, he was telling us that he has something better for us in every situation. I've learned to, to get the better way. Sometimes I have to die to my own way. Sometimes it takes me a while to do that. And I've learned to pray and commit something to the Lord and then step back and trust him to move in my life and change things. Many times, right before God's about to move, I try to make something happen. As I share in a couple Wednesdays, you'll hear that in my story. I stepped out to try to make something happen in my timing as convenient to me, and I was a week off God's timing. And I didn't recognize it at first. I got aggravated. 
Why, somebody made a commitment to me and they, they broke the commitment. Nobody in church, nobody around here, out of state, far away. You don't even know them. None of you have ever met them, okay? Don't try to figure out who. You will not know who. But the commitment changed. The commitment changed for legitimate reasons. person on the other end couldn't help. Their health was, was pretty poorly for a week or so. They couldn't help. They were on the way to the ER when I was supposed to be on my way out of state to meet with them. They couldn't help any of it. Nonetheless, I told them, you can't help it. This will all work out, and it'll be all right. And I hugged the phone. I was aggravated. I thought, okay, I, I can't help but be aggravated. Well, I had, laid, had best laid plans. Involved renting a truck, getting help, all kinds of stuff like that, and inconveniencing other people to help me. And I hate doing that in the first place, but when I do it, I want to make it count, you know. And it just wasn't working. And I, I remember being aggravated enough, I thought, I've got to channel this anger because Scripture says, be angry and sin not. Do you know you can do that? Men, you can do that. I, can, I will model that in two weeks and show you exactly what it looks like when I do that. Because I got very animated in my anger. But I pointed it back at the devil, said, Satan, whatever you are trying to do to mess with my life and steal from me, none of your efforts will succeed in Jesus' name. I will have everything that I say, and I say it again, and I started naming out of my mouth. Then I let it go. The next day, everything started to snap in place better than I could have ever arranged it before. And I stood back and thought, this is so unreal, people won't believe it when I tell it. But I have to preach it. And something, when I said to myself, and I probably said it out loud because I was that impressed, when, when I was thinking I've got to preach this, this, the Holy Spirit suddenly welled up inside of me to not delay. Because I think we, in the confusion of life sometimes, Miss God's best by just pushing at the wrong moment instead of listening and trusting for the Holy Spirit. I could have been upset with the person. I knew I shouldn't be. They couldn't help it anyway. Yet I felt aggravated. Aggravated enough thinking, this is complicating and messing with everything. There are too many things that next week. Then that next week started to change. I want today to serve as seed for you to recognize God's hand at work because of your faith. His hand will always move according to your mouth. Even when there's duress attached, even when there's sadness or sorrow or what appears to be a loss, he listens for what you will have to say about it. Not every situation requires you to take authority over the devil. The ones that do is he's trying to kill somebody or something, steal something from you, or destroy something that has anything to do with you. If any of those three, th three things touch your life, your mouth can cause his hands to come off of it. Jesus said in the scripture, Behold, I give you all authority over the enemy. King James says power, but the direct translation is authority. When we don't take it, we can't expect God to do it. I, I, I think of the phrase I'm hearing too much these days from Christians who don't know very much Scripture, or they wouldn't say it, God's got this. No. His people have got it by faith. Then he can move in a situation. He asks us to own the responsibility, and he will come in to make it good. See, he's a covenant partner but he's in covenant with what we say. When we say what he says, Jesus shows up, or I'll say it this way, his spirit comes in, says, what do you want me to do? And he's just listening for that instruction to come out of our mouth that will change the future radically. In the middle of what seems like a downturn church age, I'm saying out of my mouth there is an awakening and a revival and a renewing coming to the body of Christ, and she will rise up strong, strong as a giant in the earth, stronger than ever seen before, and men and women will be shocked and amazed at the power and glory of God that comes forth in his church. Amen. Why? He's not going to roll over and play dead because people want him to. Neither should you. All right. Well, let's look to the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that it is the spirit of faith who raises us up. What's he want to do? He wants us to experience the benefits of Jesus' resurrection, not just his death. 
Many times when people lose something, they want to say something like, well, I'm just identifying with Jesus' death. No, he took all the loss in his death. When we identify with his death, it's to recognize, I need resurrection. That's as far as we're to identify with his death. He took it, and we're supposed to say, okay, I'm not feeling resurrection right now, Lord Jesus. I need to change that. We change it with our words. Now, what I'm doing in probably the next few weeks is looking at the early church, the earliest early church, at the point between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension and the kind of things that were happening because I, as I recognize the time of the end is near and Jesus will come again, touch his foot down on the Mount of Olives and, and create a great stirring in the earth that the dead will be raised and people will go up with him. With, with that about to happen, uh, another kind of resurrection, another ascension, I have to look at what was happening around the time of the first one with him where Jesus is involved and his church is involved because scripture teaches us if we want to know how things will end, look at the beginning of the same thing. So we look at the early church and we can see some things that God wants to do right now. I get hope filled when I look at those things. They were persecuted. They were uh, belittled. They were having to push hard for faith to work. They were having to choose to be a witness when Rome was telling them enough of that. They were having to push through all of the religion that was in the world, including Judaism, and bring a resurrected Jesus to the forefront so people could have faith and hope in a God that they really didn't very well know. We are his people to do that now. And if he could empower the early church, he can empower the Latter-day church. So much so, Jesus said out of his own mouth that there would be a, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. We go, well, that was Acts 2. No, that was the flesh of that day. Before he comes again, he's talking about the early and latter rain, a great outpouring again. I would set your tongue up to agree with that and be some of the first flesh to get it. Why? When we recognize that God is doing something, we tend to receive a lot more. We tend to listen to him for a repositioning. Now, what is the spirit of faith? The spirit of faith is the Holy Spirit. I believe I know why I'm experiencing these things. <coughs> I've gone through a season of praying more, of, of stepping out of my feelings and not praying about the things I'm feeling or the things I'm seeing. But to say, God, I want to pray about whatever your agenda is. I, I want to get ahead of whatever all is going on around me. feel like I could drown praying in all of this stuff. And I need, to, I need to feel like I've got my feet on dry ground when it comes to prayer. I want to feel like I know exactly what's in your heart. So I'm sharing things that I believe he's taking me through so that I can lead you right to it. In being in God's pasture, you've got to decide... If you want to yield to that and believe it or not, when you hear God's word, we have selective believing in the body of Christ. I would encourage you to get the selective out. Say, if it's there and I can see it plainly and, and he as much as touches my heart with a feather, I'm going to say, I believe that. Sometimes we think we've got to be shaken into believing. No, look for God's slightest little feather touch in your heart and go, that's for me. And then a flood of good comes in. Now, as succinctly as I can this morning, I'm going to bring some pieces out of passage in Luke 24. And these are our elements of coming into faith, how people come into the faith. This is how the early church came into faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Before that, they were listening to Jesus preach to have faith in the Father. And Jesus was saying, if you see me do it, that's the Father doing it. If you hear me saying it, that's the Father saying it. Now their link to the Father was gone, and they're thinking, what's up with this? What are we going to do now? And they had to learn to receive by Jesus from Jesus who they were about to not see anymore. So he was going to try to move them from a, a, a relationship of seeing him every day to eventually not seeing him physically at all anymore. 
And they were riled, and they didn't want that, and they didn't expect that. They wanted the kingdom of heaven and the new Jerusalem to come down and everything to be the way Jesus promised and this world be done. And they wanted their master with them. They rather loved the master. So Jesus, being moved by their love, had compassion on them and spent time in the earth to help them understand how to live by faith. Why, they weren't going to see him anymore. They weren't going to hear him say what the Heavenly Father was saying. They were going to have to have the same spirit of faith live in them that lived in Jesus when Jesus walked the earth so they would know what the mind and will of the Heavenly Father was. So they could have faith. Imagine how in turmoil they were when the object of their faith was suddenly gone. So Jesus said, you're more blessed to believe having not seen me than you are if you see me and believe. Well, that means we're among the more blessed. How can that be? Because faith is about believing that things that be not as though they were, things you can't see, you begin to see, not in your mind, but in your spirit. My mind can have a vision of certain things, and that's a start. I have a great imagination. I'm a very creative personality. But I don't trust my creativity to be the seed of God moving next in my life. I have to see, is that match what he has down inside in my heart? And that's where the right timing comes in. That's where details come in. Because God's always got a motivation beyond what we know. He's always motivated to get us to accomplish the one thing he created us to do for him before we die. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think anybody discovers that easily or early. I think we get on the right path, and we have moments where we go, oh, I think this is it. I mean, how many times, Mary, have you thought, this is it, I'm in my ministry? And then you, you wake up one day and think, oh, I wonder what else am I supposed to do? I wonder what he has next. I wonder what it is. Or we quit asking him and say, I don't think I want to know. We, 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 we get comfortable or uncomfortable. And either extreme causes us to quit talking to God. Have you ever noticed that? We get caught in a rut and we think everything is good, or we get caught in ugly and we think everything is bad, and we get depressed and don't want to talk to God. Today helps us get right in the right place, I believe, with him. This is Luke 24. The disciples were together remembering his words. That's where things begin with faith. That's verse 8 of Luke 24. And they returned from the sepulcher, the women that were there looking for Jesus, and they told all these things to the 11, their experience with the uh, gardener that was Jesus, their experience there, and to the rest. The women who were at the empty tomb told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, why they hadn't seen it. I know sometimes when I preach and you've not experienced something, it'll sound like an idle tale to you, but I'm going to keep saying it and saying it and saying it. That's why I like to use examples and stories to illustrate things. Because when I do, you can go, oh, that's how that works. Why? Faith without works is dead. That doesn't mean we have to be working. It means that faith does something for us that we don't do ourselves. Faith at work. Where we can go, oh, that was God. <laughs> Look what he did. Look what, and what does it do? It fires us up to trust him more. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they did not believe them. Why? Hearing God's word firsthand, the, the ladies at the tomb with the stone rolled away had an advantage over the apostles. I think it's interesting, Jesus did a lot for the ladies, and this is one of those passages where they were there looking for him, and he saw to it that they were the first to hear from him. He cloaked himself in a kind of disguise in his glorified body, looking like a gardener, and he was listening to see where's their faith, where's their trust, why are they here anyway? They looked in and saw there was no body, and they were first afraid they'd stolen Jesus' body away. They weren't first saying he's risen. They were rather doubting. How interesting Jesus can be on the scene and we can't see through the garment that he's in. And Jesus on the scene can stir doubt and unbelief because we're not seeing it our way. That's what was happening. But then he said, hey, it's me. And they suddenly could see through the clothes, say, that's the master. And they, for... 
lack of words that just totally freaked out. <laughs> Why? Because suddenly their doubt was turned into the fullest kind of faith, having seen him again. And that's what they had been used to. When there was a problem, they went to see Jesus. When there was a problem, they called on him to come. When Lazarus died, they said, if you'd been there in time, Master, this wouldn't have happened. But they were trusting in Jesus they could see, and he had to train them to expect Jesus that they couldn't see. And when they got to the, or the apostles, the apostles who were supposed to know better, who should have been entirely faith-filled, who should have believed them at their first words, he is risen and not in the tomb. They said, you are a bunch of crazy women. And I'm sure they bristled back and said, look, busters, we are not crazy. We saw him and this is what he said to tell you. Guys, ever wonder why God put it in the ladies to sometimes tell you off a little bit? <laughs> I'll not say this very often, but there are select moments it's warranted. Not many. <laughs> I want you to take that too far. But there are a few. There are a few. Why? When we doubt Jesus, somebody better tell us. The most qualified person in your life to tell you is your spouse. Ladies, once in a while, he's going to have a zinger for you too. Why? That's how it's meant to be. We can be on the scene and not see the obvious. Understand how it is when we're looking toward the unseen. We really might have a tough time. That was the apostles. They didn't have the advantage the ladies had, but the ladies had made sure they got up early, got there early. They had proximity to where Jesus was last seen. When you study the scripture for proximity, the eager, the hungry, the thirsty always get more. That's God's way. Why? That's an expression of faith when we want to go for it. And God will honor that. Now, hearing God's word firsthand opens up our, our faith process. What did Jesus do? He didn't hang back and say, well, the apostles bless their hearts. They're going to have to trust what the women tell them. Why? He knew they weren't going to. Why? Unbelief was bigger than faith. They were the apostles. They were the leaders, teachers, pastors, evangelists. They were God's team in the earth in the moment. And they didn't believe the witnesses who they knew firsthand very well. Why? They had selective hearing because they were convinced he couldn't really do that. They were convinced his humanity was greater than God's calling on the life of Christ. How easily we can be convinced to not speak words of life and words of faith. How do we ensure that? We hear it firsthand. We seek him out and listen in our hearts. What is it that the master's saying? And that is your first and greatest defense. And it is always the way to increase your faith. Hear the words of the master. When we don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and we're learning, we look at what the scriptures say. And I'm going to tell you what the scriptures do. When you get scripture in your heart, particularly the words and teachings of the master, our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to recognize when the Holy Spirit is telling you something because it'll sound the same. It'll connect. You'll go, oh, that makes sense. And it may not make sense here, but it makes sense down here. Because in your heart, the word of God is ruling. We tend to line up with the rules of our master and we learn about the, who, the, who our ruler is, who Jesus is, by knowing what his words are, what his laws are. That's why even scripture says we're to hide his law in our heart. Why, he'll not violate his laws. So often people come to me and they'll say something like, I know I'm hearing from heaven on this and I'll think under my breath, you don't are not hearing from heaven. Why? Because if it doesn't line up with God's word, I can safely say it's not God. He doesn't change his mind. So, Pastor, why do you do that? I don't try to do that. It's instinctively in me because there's enough word of God in me to listen and go, hmm, I don't think so. Or, hmm, yes, that would be God. Why? He's going to connect with faith. He's going to connect with love. He's going to connect with God's agenda. He's going to not try to connect with our logic. 
God's not first logical. We would all like to fix that, but we will not change that about him, all right? He's first about faith, and that's what he's moved by. That's why we're talking about that. Next, we see in the picture they're seeking Jesus-centered fellowship. This is a pushback against the last year we've had. It's time for you to make a decision personally to press into fellowship with people who know Christ in a way that it inspires you or encourages you or you can draw from that they know something that you don't know and make it happen for yourself. Pastor can't preach this enough to convince you. And I was sitting in the front row Wednesday night and the Holy Spirit said to me, people have been divided from so many things such as Christian fellowship. And when we're apart from Christ in anything, it allows this world system to work death in us in a way it's not supposed to happen. And we just get separated from what's meant to inspire and encourage and keep us built up in our most holy faith. First, the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you how the Holy Spirit should move in your life, not just through you praying in tongues. That's the principal way. But you ought to get around somebody else that's filled with the Holy Ghost and something happening on them ought to be coming out of their mouth. And you get encouraged by it. When you say to somebody, oh, I've had a rough week, and the person on the other end says, well, so have I, you got the wrong person. Be one or the other. I mean, if you've got two together like that, that's not going to do a God thing. So what do we do? We, sometimes we know we're filled enough to flow out on somebody else. Other times we know, i got to have something. You should have two groups of fellowship. One that you are discipling, that you are building up, that you are encouraging, that God uses you to have an overflow so that you won't run out. Why? They'll start calling you. And if you're saying, I'm having a bad week, what is that? That's faith being shut down. Or I'm too busy right now. Boy, that's a big one. If we're not careful, we'll always be too busy for God's agenda and we'll have to tell Jesus, I was just too busy. I mean, imagine that. Every so often I think, I, I, I judge myself. You're supposed to do that, not somebody else. Don't do it to your spouse, do it to you. If I say I'm too busy too much, I have to step back and say, okay, why am I too busy? And let's fix that. Let's change that because when I get before the master, I don't know that those words will even be able to come out. I'll be going, oh, the, 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 the. It just, I won't be able to put it into words. Why? It wasn't right. All right. Kind of like as a little kid, if I tried to lie, everybody could tell why it just wouldn't come out right. Why I couldn't make it come out right. Why? Wasn't supposed to come out. All right, telling on myself. And say, what? He, he lied before? Yes, I stole penny candies and lied about it, I remember. <laughs> Seek Jesus-centered fellowship. This is what he says in verse 13. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned. What were they doing? They, they were communing. They were talking about some things from the inside, some experience that they had had with Jesus, but they were also using their heads. Your head has a place. Your head has a place, especially in fellowship with another Christian, to find out what God's doing in them or saying in them. Many times I've been with people who have come to me for prayer or advice or counseling, and in the process of me working to enrich their lives, there's something they say that enriches mine. That's supposed to happen. What is it? That's when it's, it's like the interstate. That's an inter, I call it an interstate relationship where there, you might go along one way for a while where you're receiving, then you get off the ramp and you circle back and you're giving back into the situation. That's what your church is supposed to be. Both happen, and depending on what's going on with you, you can both give and receive at the same time. The nature of the Holy Spirit is always to enrich you by His Spirit so you can enrich others with His Spirit. That's what He does. Now, and it came to pass while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near. Why do I encourage fellowship at this level? This isn't sitting down watching a ball game. That's kind of fellowship. But they're sitting down talking about Jesus and understand what's going on. They're not talking completely faith. The women are talking faith and the men are talking doubt and unbelief in this scenario. It isn't always that way. Why? We got faith-filled men at Living Word. Lots of them that choose to hear what God says and say, I, I'm going to believe that. That sounds really good to me. I believe I'm going to do that. And whenever we do that, you find out it's real easy to come into agreement in the house. When a man leads, it's easy. Why? We're supposed to lead in faith. That's one of the primary callings on a man's life. Say, pastor's getting sexist. You betcha. 
because the word has some clear things to say about responsibility and authority. Now, Jesus hears, when he hears God honoring in the conversation, understand at your house, if you're having a debate, one's in faith and the other one's not, he'll show up for the faith. And when he shows up for the faith, agreement comes. Had people probably the most common question asked in marriage counseling is, how do you come into agreement? Well, one of you is going to die to self. That's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you something. It takes the Holy Ghost for us to submit to that. He doesn't come in with a knife and go, here you go. No, we willingly say, oh, this is my flesh. This is not God's way. And when we do that, then it seems that agreement comes and a softening comes. And a communication comes without defensiveness or posturing. And agreement comes. Why? It's God's way. To be willing. And here's what really happens. One dies first. Then the other one dies too. Then you don't have a winner and a loser. Otherwise, you've got a competition. God help you run a marriage or household that way. That's not God's way. It's the same Holy Spirit. So we have to learn how to do that. There's an art to that. And I can see by the interest in the room and the quietness and the deeper breathing that there's maybe a desire to hear more about that sometime. Now, next he shows us to choose to believe more and more and more of God's word. While I'm preaching, you can discount any part of it you want to. It's up to you. But when we discount what we see clearly in God's word, we're going to miss out. We're not going to get it cheaper another way. If we discard it as not being meaningful or valuable, we will not get the treasure from it, even though it went in our ears. It can go in your ear and in your mind and not produce anything if we don't value it. I learned many years ago in prayer and healing school that I attended of my own, my own energy and ambition. It was not required while I was at Bible school. I wanted to know about things like that. I started out sitting kind of in the middle, and I thought, I don't really want to be noticed. I'm just a student, and there were only three students there the first few times I went. It was sick people coming from out of town wanting, want, wanting to experience healing because they were desperate or they were dying, many of them on cots and beds in the back of the sanctuary, about this big of a room, actually pretty close to this size, maybe slightly bigger. So there'd be 500 sick people in the room and three students and about five faculty and a worship team. But I learned that there was something about proximity because the people in the front part of the meeting seemed to leave with more. They'd be ministering to people who were sick, but people who had not come or shared their need were receiving healing. And I thought, that's for me, I'm going to do that. Well, I had some physical, really a lot of physical problems when I was young, major things. So I decided to be on the second row while I was all staff on the first row and worship team, and I couldn't sit there. But I sat on the second row. What did it do? It honored God's servant and honored God's word and, and caused me to, to receive more. Well, I was close enough where when, when the teacher was teaching, they'd look right at me like that and reach out and touch me if they wanted to. And wow, I, I just got a lot more out of it. Why? I needed that for me. Some people may not need that, but honestly, I, it, it always makes a difference in my life. Why? It's an expression of faith. God's got something for me. In meetings where we're teaching and God wants to move, and I'm going to tell you something about what's coming in the body of Christ will be more about what God is doing. We're going to hear his word, but we're going to hear it so that he can perform it because that's what he always wants to do. He wants to do his word. He doesn't want us only to be a doer. He is a doer. And a lot of receiving has to do with our honoring God's word that way, and we move around in a service. I still today, if I go to somebody else's meeting, and they start talking, and I think that is for me. I will find the closest seat I can if I have to stand off to the side. Why? Because I am determined. I am there to receive that particular thing God said he's going to do, and I'm going to get mine by being up there close. I kind of learned that with one of my grandmothers who baked every day. If I was the first kid to her house from school, I always got as much as I wanted. And uh, got so good at it, I could cut across the schoolyard here in town, cut across the back of Miss Darrow's yard because I asked her, can I take a shortcut right here along your driveway and get to my grandma's house quickly? She said, sweetheart, you can do whatever you want. Miss Darrow was a friend of my grandmother's. 
So what I do, I made a beeline every day and beat everybody else by 10 minutes. God loves faith like that. I remember the, 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 the harshest comment I ever got from my grandma along those lines, you're getting a little chubby. <laughs> and I didn't care. <laughs> I was five, okay. So we choose to believe more and more of God's word. Then Jesus said to them, and this just sounds harsh, oh, fools. When we don't believe, that's what Jesus says. I've heard people say, well, the only fool in the Bible is one that says there's no God. No, here's another one. And Jesus said, when we don't believe his word. Here's what he specifically says, and slow of heart to believe. When we have an unbelieving heart, Jesus says we're a fool. He didn't say we're foolish. He, he, he labeled us. Uh, uh, that would not be politically correct today. You see why Jesus isn't always politically correct? He's effective. I read that and think, oh, I don't want him to say that about me or think that about me. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. They weren't even saying they had to believe him firsthand, but what his servants had to say. Many times people choose to not believe what the preacher says and they walk away unchanged. That's a bad situation. Now, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and then enter into his glory? In other words, don't you know Jesus paid a price so it could be this way? And it would be easy for us to believe. Now, I believe selective hearing gives us selective believing. And when we don't believe God's word the way we're supposed to, we're not going to get the results. Understand what, what the enemy tries to do. He tries to find any angle to steal God's result from your life. Because the more results you have, the more God gets the glory. And the more people will notice God is doing something. Where does this come from? I've been, been praying, God, it's time. For you just start moving and doing some stuff that people just have to go, how else could it have happened? That'll be the couple Wednesday nights from now. It'll probably be the theme. How else could it have happened? What word you hear matters greatly. I've heard people say it doesn't matter what church you go to. Well, they're very ignorant of the Scripture. What happens in the word that's being preached sets up for the limits of what you can receive from God. I know people say, but I read it for myself. Yes, I do too. But Scripture teaches, and Jesus himself said, through the foolishness of God using a preacher, faith is released into our hearts. That's why he needs preachers. I remember when he told me he needed people who would do that. I thought of a list of 10 that I gave him, and I was not on it. God tends to use the weak things of this world to confound the wise. God tends to do it his way how he wants to is what that means. Now, the word that you hear, for example, in this house, we, we teach that Jesus is our healer. We don't teach go get other help. We don't teach don't go to the doctor. You know, I've heard people say they're believing for a good report. If you go to the doctor, you're just going to get the doctor's report. The good report is in the scripture. If you're believing for a good report, get some verses. Stand on them and say, this is the report of the Lord. Jesus is my healer. Then when the doctor tells you your body is dealing with something, you can, you can get in your car and say, but the report of the Lord is this. I heard that, but the good word of the Lord is going to push that out of my life. I've had it happen a hundred times or more. That'll be more stories for Wednesday nights. Why? I want you to be able to get a hold of that. And you get a hold of that in the little things. How many times have I awakened and couldn't talk because of congestion or a cold or whatever going on in my life that I thought, I'm preaching the word anyway. And between 3 o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock in being in here, the symptoms totally go away. So, well, that's because you're a preacher. No, it's because of faith, I'm telling you. It everything to do with being a preacher. Sometimes the attack came because I'm the preacher. Why? The enemy wants to stop the word. I've learned to recognize that. We just got a couple more. Jesus gives revelation when we love him enough. I used to wonder why other people got more out of the scripture than me, and it aggravated me. And I started asking the Holy Spirit about that when I'd be in a place of prayer, and I learned something. He doesn't want to give me knowledge beyond my love for him and capacity. He wants me to love him. He's about this one-on-one -on -one relationship. And as I want to be with him, he trusts me with the secrets of his heart. And I've learned they come no other way. I can read the scripture. 
I used to do this as a young preacher. I would comb passages of Scripture, sometimes whole books of the Bible at a time, looking for a little something to jump out at me that I could go, that's God's word for me today, or better, that's God's word for the whole church for this week. And I'd get all excited about that. And I had to thinking, well, if I have to do this my whole life, combing the scripture for a little bit of inspiration. There's got to be a better way. And, and, and I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, if you will just love me, I will take care of that for you. So I've learned not wait until I have a need, but just love the master. And, you know, his love language means that's how we do it for him. Loving his people is his biggest expression of his love language. Being together in fellowship that is centered on him, that's why he always shows up. He says, where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. Why? It's his favorite love language. Gathering and talking about him, he's like, here I am. What you want? What can I do for you? I want to be with you. He loves being with us. He doesn't want to only come when there's trouble. He wants to come when we're happy. He wants to hear happy come out. He wants to hear joy. He wants to hear vision and dreams and excitement and, and our hearts toward the future. He wants to hear all of that. And it came to pass as he sat down with them, he took bread and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened. Why, they're spending time with him. They came to the shore and still didn't know it was Jesus. He said, children, do you have any meat? And they said, we don't have any fish. He said, here, I've cooked you some. I've got bread and fish for you. And they ate with him. And when he broke the bread, they recognized this is Jesus. Why? He probably did it the same way every time. <laughs> broke the bread. And they're like, oh, Jesus always breaks the bread. Why? Yes, it was a rabbinical tradition to break it. But it was also Jesus in the way that he did it chose to let them see it was him. If they'd stayed on the boat, they wouldn't have experienced that. They loved him enough, trusted him enough, or wanted to reach him for God somehow. We really don't know. They didn't know it was Christ Jesus. They got out and went to him. No. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. The beginning of Revelation is loving Jesus, trusting Jesus, and coming to Jesus. It's okay when the babies get stirred up. Okay, it's a good thing. I'm happy about it. We still haven't figured out if we're safe enough to do nursery. So, Paige, sometime you and I need to talk about that. When, when is it safe to have nursery and what does it need to look like? Lucinda and I have been talking about that for weeks. And Sunday school and everything else, children's church and everything else. Why? We would love for them to have their own special place. But I'm going to tell you something about your pastor. I really, my preferences, I like them all in here. I just, I like that. Why? That's the, that's the healthiest family dynamic. Why? They're crying out. Why? They're, they're getting hungry. Pastor knows what's going on, all right? Or, or they might need changed, and, and mom is thinking, just in a few more minutes, pastor's going to be done, and I won't be disruptive. Don't worry about disruptive either. That's just the way, that's the way family works. Now, their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their, as soon as they saw him and knew him, he's gone. Many times your fellowship with Jesus will be like that. And, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within him? Here's why it happened. The heart was burning within them when he talked with us, by the way. Why, he'd had this, this journey with them before talking to them about what was happening in Jerusalem. They were talking about his crucifixion. And as he answered them, it stirred faith in them. They still didn't know who it was at first. They're talking to him and what was happening. Their hearts caught on fire on the inside. When we don't have that, he cannot reveal who he is in our situation. Loving him sets something up on the inside where you start wanting him and not just the answer. You start wanting to feel the joy of his presence. You start recognizing there is not any kind of too busy that is worth not having that time with him. And I'll say it this way you almost have to kind of pay a little bit up front. The enemy will always try to stop it. I could tell you stories about how faith was hindered, many of them. And most of you would say, well, that's all happened to me before. Why? The devil's the same devil. He'll do the same thing every time. Try to overwhelm you. Try to make you too busy. Try to make everybody around you go crazy. Try to make work say you've got to work 10 days overtime in a row, whatever it is. The enemy tries to do that. But you're going to learn a lot more from hearing when it goes right. Why? Because that requires faith on our part. We're about to wrap it up. 
And as they thus spoke, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be unto you, showed up again. Why, they're talking about him, but they're talking about him in another way. Their hearts were on fire because of him. When they started talking about their desire for the master, he appeared to them. So, Pastor, why doesn't that happen today? Because perhaps we don't believe and love him that way. I know there are many times I'll say that this happens to me regularly. Well, I will shut myself away to pray, and I will enjoy his presence just as though he were physically present with me. Why? There's a con- I just start having a conversation with him, and, and, and I'm not even opening my eyes. I know he's there hearing me. We're fellowshipping together. Your faith will grow in doing just a little bit of that. This is the early church. They are struggling to find faith in Jesus who they can't see anymore. He had to show them he was raised from the dead. Otherwise, they wouldn't believe it. said, okay, I'm going to give them another advantage. Let them see me again and again and again and let them experience why they're seeing me. They had a hunger. They were together talking about him. They were looking for answers. They were crying out to one another how much more of God they needed and what are they going to do without him? What's going to happen next? And in their desperation, crying out to God, he kept coming to them and coming to them. We see a pattern. We start talking about him, talking to him. He's going to show up. What we're talking about, our love for him. We're talking about his direction in our lives. We're talking about being an exception to the world. That, that without Christ will go to hell. We're the ones who will not because we're with Christ. There's a difference that happens. How are we with him? We spend time with him. Oh, but he never leaves me or forsakes me, Pastor Doug. No, but we walk away from him in our heart every day. When we're not on fire in our heart for him, we've stepped back and we need to return again. That's the nature of today. What I'm really trying to do is let you understand there's a capacity in your heart that you are to be on fire, and it's the Holy Spirit's fire that causes that in desiring to see God do the impossible and the improbable in your life where you step back and say, that could only be Him. I want you to have experiences like that where you say, it could only be Him. Why? You won't have trouble being Jesus' witness when you see Him doing those things. Why? It fires faith in us. Now, God sends the Holy Spirit to empower our understanding of him. This is my last point. Thank God. We got to go. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, the Holy Spirit. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem, and you will be endued with power from on high not many days hence. Why? The Holy Spirit gives us power to do what happens in our heart when it's on fire. How am I going to do more for the master? Most people are not nowadays. COVID divided most people from their responsible role in the body of Christ. Having some some things are kicking off today, a bunch of meetings and things happening. Why? We're we're pushing back. It's time to push back. We're not done. We're not done. I, I feel like I've barely touched the beginning of God's plan for me. I don't even really know if I know all of it. I know I don't know all of it. I'll say it this way. I don't think I've even at the end of chapter one yet. That's how I feel. And I'll say this, I think I'm trying pretty hard. (laughs) And he led them out to Bethany. What is Bethany? The house of bread. What is Bethany today? It's your church. He's always going to lead you to church. When people say, oh, I'm not doing it this season. They're not being led by the Holy Spirit. They're caving into the devil. I don't care what the reason is. Why? You learn certain things after a while. You get so full of God's word, you can smell the devil 100 miles off instead of when he pinches your butt. Quite simply. Why is the same scent far away that he does close up? He doesn't line up with God's word. He rebels against it and he pushes people away and gives them a million what seems like legitimate excuses. They're all illegitimate. That's what we have to recognize. They're not God thoughts. They're not God words. They came from somewhere else. The enemy. Okay. I could say some words there, but I better not use them. And he led them out to Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And as he blessed them, he parted out of their sight and was gone like that. Why? Jesus comes to accomplish something when he comes. I want to encourage you. There, there, there's, there's things we learn to recognize in serving the master. One is there, there are seasons where there's easy access to heaven. Right now, because so many believers aren't believing God for his agenda, There's this huge open access for those who will. 
The throne of God is made that every believer alive in the earth at any time could all approach at the same time for the same reason and God would not be confused or put out by it. When people aren't coming, there's this great capacity God has that we would call yearning to do something for his people. That's who our Heavenly Father is. Understand how much he loves us. And he just wants us to begin to experience that from him. And our hearts will catch on fire. For all the division and and divisiveness that's come against relationships, the most serious one is this, God and his family. He wants it to be the way he designed it to be. And the enemy wants to stop that. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name this morning, we commit our hearts to you that you bring the fire to catch our hearts. Father, to cause there to be an inward burning and desire and yearning for more of you like we've not had before. Father, when that fire starts, it'll consume the things in our lives that are stopping us now. There will be a cleansing and a purging and a a purifying where there will be a sense of healthfulness again a restoring of joy again. Father, an animation of your purpose in us. Father, we won't have to question what's next. We will know what's next on your list and we'll make decisions accordingly and you will bless all the rest. Father, we put your agenda first and our relationship with you first. Lord Jesus, as we come to you, you'll tell us the things that we need to know. Father, I thank you this morning for creating a yearning on the inside of every person an ignition of what you have for things to come, that there be a greater desire, not a trying to figure it all out, but to recognize we don't want to do it that way now. We want to rely on you and trust you and be patient, even if it means a little long-suffering. Father, I thank you for working in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get ready to close, I want to open the altar for anybody who, you, you, you felt something on the inside of you go off during that message. I want you to come to the altar. I do want to lay hands on you and pray with you today. I know that I'm supposed to do that today. And while you're coming, Pastor Josh is going to come and, and just speak a blessing. I've asked him to do that, just to release a blessing out over the congregation. Understand when a word comes from the Lord, there's a warring that occurs. The enemy tries to steal it like the birds flying in and eating the seed. Watch out for that. Sometimes there's a little hard place in our heart. This morning, if you feel a little fire and you know there's a little hard place, this altar is for you, quite simply. Why? He'll remove that hardness. If we're not careful, we do what the world does, and they're becoming more and more and more inward and self-focused all the time. We're already a part of the most selfish generation probably it's ever lived. The enemy's trying to make people more and more like that. Consider others around you and create fellowship opportunities. In doing that, you're going to enrich somebody else's life, but watch God enrich yours. Seasons come to push back on the enemy. I'm going to tell you it will come from your heart or it will be ineffective. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.